You're listening to the jbshreve.com podcast. It's your home for finding one-of-a-kind biblical perspectives for life in the chaotic world we live in. Hey, I'm JB Shreve. and I'm Casey Shreve. And we are here for a Friday podcast devotional. Uh, long delayed, I guess, so much for doing these every week. We're just doing them as often as we can, and we'll, you know. we'll see how it goes from there. Um, so I've been putting up a bunch of articles on the website, jbshreve.com, and they're basically little devotionals or Bible studies on the idea of the heart. And so if you haven't been there yet, I'd encourage you to go, go there. In fact, while you're there, go to the right side of the page. There's a little place where you can enter your email address so that you can be subscribed. And any time something new is posted on the site, It'll be emailed to your inbox if, if everything works the way it's supposed to yep. there. But doing these studies on the heart, and I think the heart's a really interesting topic because, well, for one, it's a priority in, in the Bible. It's mentioned over 770 times we read the word heart in Scripture. And one of the things that I talked about in one of the articles posted this week was just the idea of what the heart really is. It comes from a, a Hebrew word in the Old Testament, leb. L-E-B, which means that it's basically the mind, the will, and emotions. There's a different word used in Greek in the New Testament, but it still means about the same thing. And really, I look at the heart as kind of being the seat, the center of who you are, the real you, you know, beyond the flesh, beyond the, beyond the, it's the part that goes into eternity, you know, once, once we die. It's the part that communes with God, all of these things. Yeah. And I have found that as we have aged I guess is the best way to put it that especially with kids I've just noticed how interesting and complex and and unique the human heart is Mm -hmm. Um, there's the verse in the gospels where the kids are coming to Jesus and the disciples try to keep them away and and Jesus corrects them and he says don't keep the kids from coming to me he liked being around the little kids and I think it has to do with one of the reasons for that is because there's so few obstacles between a child's heart and the truth. It's like as we age, as we go through experiences, good, bad, and ugly, then we learn how to kind of hide the heart or protect the heart or or keep it covered from those around us. Guard the heart. Yeah, yeah, wrongly guard the heart. You know, there's an article in there about guarding the heart, and we talk about what that actually really means when we look look at that in Proverbs 4.23. But the heart is something really interesting. It's something... That can be really good, and it's something really central to our walk with God. You know, it's if you want to change what your life looks like, you don't start with the external things. You start with the internal things. They're at the heart level. And so I thought today we would just talk in this podcast about our perspectives of what it means, what we mean by the human heart. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe take that idea of children and run with that a little bit. Go for it, JB. One of the examples that I can think of with like kids is like the uniqueness that, you know, with our own children, and I can even remember it with my own brothers and sisters, how they respond to different, the same event, but they respond differently to the same event because there's a difference in the way our hearts perceive things. The Bible talks about our hearts being a deep waters of mm-hmm. the human heart. And we can take the same situation and the way we respond to it compared to a sibling who is being brought up in the same environment. Experiencing the same exact thing. Right. And it's totally different because yeah. our hearts are unique. Our hearts are different. And that's actually a really precious thing. Yeah. You know, when it, when you read, when I read the Psalms and 
David says, what is man that you're mindful of him? You know, he's looking at the stars one night and he just realizes how small we are. And yet God chose to be mindful of man. And when God looks at man, he doesn't look at our works. He doesn't look at our achievements. He looks at our heart. We see that over and over again in scripture. And so the heart is really a beautiful thing, or it can be. (laughs) We want it to be. And one of the things, well, honestly, our son, so our middle son has, uh, was born with Down syndrome. And to me, part of the journey of walking with him through life has been how unhidden his heart is. There's not a lot of obstacles there. That's, you know, we, we, uh, I remember when he was little, we went to uh, a restaurant and there was a, f- uh, the father of one of my friends from high school, he was there and he saw Elliot. He goes, oh, those people are just so sweet. <laughs> and, and, you know, people say that about yeah. folks born with Down syndrome. And that's true. But there's also another side to it. They can also be awfully devious and awfully uh, troublesome, awfully uh, big troublemakers. We got There's a story of Elliot when he was little with his brother and sister. This is when they were very little. They had a babysitter at the house. In the heat of summer, we had fudge popsicles hidden in the freezer. And if they would behave themselves all day long, then they would get a fudge popsicle at the end of the day. And so they're all out in the driveway playing basketball with the babysitter all day, or at least for an hour on a very hot summer day. So it felt like all day. Yeah. And so Elliot disappears after a little while. and Nobody knows where he's at. And they go to go in and Elliot has locked the door. It's a glass, like a glass screen door. He's locked the door and he's pulled up a chair to just stare at his brother. And left the main door wide open so they could see in and see what he's doing. Right. And so this guy who is very... To this day, he, you know, he's 21. He's got very low verbal skills, all of this kind of stuff. He goes to the refrigerator or to the freezer, pulls out this box of fudge popsicles, sits in the screen door, glass door window. Yeah, it's not a screen door. It's just yeah, a glass door. The yeah. glass doorway that was locked, sits in a chair and eats every one of the fudge popsicles. At in, least 12. Yeah, fudge in front popsicles. of his brother and sister who are melting in the sweat in front of the babysitter. <laughs> Once he's done, of course, he's dropping all of the papers to the popsicles into the floor as he sucks them down. Once he's done, he unlocks the door, takes off running to the back of the house and locks himself in the bedroom. And this is a guy who we couldn't get to do hardly anything at speech therapy, at occupational therapy. It was always a struggle. And yet here it is, when you pull back the curtain, there's a, there's a lot more capacity within this little so dude much more. than everybody was giving him credit for. And that's that's the other side of, oh, aren't they all just sweet <laughs> to, to raising Down syndrome, uh, a Down syndrome child. But We're individuals with Down syndrome, you know. Yeah, however you're supposed I to know. say I know there's a politically correct way there's of saying There's people first language. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what's always struck me about him is because one thing I've seen with Elliot, and we've seen this with all the kids, but there's just the reality of typical children, typical people, they grow up and they learn how to kind of hide the heart or how to put masks on the heart and we don't see that as much with him like I can you can see if he's frustrated a lot easier you can yeah. see sad happy sadness and... yeah you can see you know the the time during lockdown over the course of the pandemic was really rough on him uh, because his language because he is such low verbal well he uses so few words he has so many in there right he's got a lot in there but he refuses to to use them and so his language was really socializing and when that was taken away from him during lockdown, we got to see, oh man, his heart is withdrawing. And it was real easy to recognize what was going on. The heart was not hidden. And you see that same thing with children. I watch like kids that I teach. You can see the difference as they get older. You know, they start learning how to hide the heart, how to uh, not posture, but how to kind of put up a, a, a facade, you know, how to how to act out a part instead of, kind really of people being who pleasing they are. versus yeah. 
just living from the heart. Right, right. And so when you look at that verse in Luke where Jesus says, suffer not the little children to come unto me, don't keep them from coming to me. I think one of the things that Jesus really likes, that God really likes, is when we come to him with our heart laid bare. And that's a, you know, a real holy, religious-sounding phraseology I'm using there. But I think what that really means is we're just being open, we're being real, we're being honest with God. Yeah. And I think the good thing, I think there's hope in that. Like a, a lot of adults would say, oh, geez, I'm so far from the original heart position of mm-hmm. where I was as a child. Or, you know, so much life has happened, I've forgotten who that childlike heart was. Yeah. That there's such an opportunity to restore the heart, to rebuild right. the heart. I think that's the amazing thing about the heart is that it's not irreparable. Exactly. In fact, it's guaranteed not to be it's guaranteed to be repairable. That's the whole point or not the whole point, but that's a big point of the gospel of what Jesus did for us so that we could have the Holy spirit come and repair the wounds of our heart that Mm -hmm. we are bound to encounter. Jesus said, it's inevitable that offenses come. Mm -hmm. You're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. You're going to experience situations in life that will work to stain your heart, to scar your heart. And yet the point is to learn what to do with that. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they went and hid in a bush. That was the wrong thing to do. They went and hid their heart from God. The right thing to do was they should have come out and said, God, I messed up. You know, be open. Be that, yeah. Have that childlike innocence where we expose our heart to God. And that's where he administers the healing that yeah. we're talking about. It's, at least that's the first step. Usually there's a process to go through, especially if we've gotten in the habit of hiding mm-hmm. the heart. I was thinking about, I keep thinking about the reference to families and children and and two children could experience the exact same family event, the Mm -hmm. same occurrence. One child could kind of laugh it off and say, oh yeah, that stunk and just forget it. Two weeks later, they're not offended. uh, The sibling could be, feel, truly feel deeply harmed and hurt by that same occurrence or that same event. Um, and I was thinking about, I know this isn't really the, the podcast, but parenting different children in the same home, experiencing the same thing with two very different um, responses to an occurrence. One, how intricate and detailed it is. What an honor it is to be able to parent different children that respond differently. Right. But the need in all scenarios to go back to God because he's, you know, given us children or given us our own hearts and we might respond differently, but it's up to us to always go back to God and say, how do I manage the heart? Yeah. How do I, how do I engage this? I can't just, even if you had two children, two different responses, you can't call one just overly dramatic and one, yeah. you know, oh, they had the right response. You have to assess each heart response because in those moments, like, cause you did bring up children. It's in those moments that there is some ingraining. There is some patterns there are patterns created right. in those moments that if that pattern is allowed to continue it gets deeply ingrained you know in the heart and as that child grows up we have to maybe sometimes reshift that pattern you mm-hmm. know the pattern that's been created because of that in- instinctual response to a situation or something that was hurtful to them yeah that verse in uh i think it's proverbs says train up a child in the way he should go and Mm. he will not depart from it and the language that the actual the literal language the hebrew behind the verse 
it implies that you know the way that individual child should go. Mm-hmm. It's not just saying make sure they go to church and obey the word of God and all yeah. these things. There's like a unique path for every child. Yeah. And we've certainly seen that as parents. Mm-hmm. We've certainly experienced that <laughs> as as just people yeah. going through life. We have we've been raised in the same home as brothers and sisters and yet we experience things completely different. What was easy for one was hard for another. And it doesn't mean one person's strong. Yeah. One person's weak at all. It's the mysteries, the complexities of the human heart. And as parents, we have to seek out to find what is the way they yeah. need to go. I know with each of our kids, there's been points we weren't perfect, didn't do everything right, did most of it right, but not everything. <laughs> but there were points where it's like, okay, this is this is this is where God's wanting to shift something. This is where something yeah. has to be changed. And a lot of times, that knowing was not just of ourselves. Yeah, that was we had good leadership in our life. We had a good a support system in our in our world where we were raising our, our children and they spoke into our home into our lives and said hey we see this or we see that and there's something that needs to be changed here and we would follow up with that accordingly you know we yeah. would we would respond right or just in a situation where it's like man sakes kid number whatever one didn't respond the same way as kid number two mm-hmm. clearly there's a different path because right. it's not having the same intended outcome right right so right. i just think it's so easy um in any heart for a heart to be harmed but on the flip side of that i think there's the knowing that it's just as easy to heal a heart and to right. re reshape good things into the heart i think the article you wrote this week talked about that like guard the heart doesn't mean just putting walls up in a right. fortress. It's not just being protective. Yeah, but it means stewarding and shepherding and growing and developing and maturing. And that, um, I took hope, you know, because it's not just as a child that these things happen, but into our old age, we can continually mm-hmm. shepherd the heart and grow the heart and mature the heart and make make it a good, healthy space. Right. Honestly, I don't I don't know if that process ever ends. Yeah. You know, this side of, of eternity, because... That's probably a prayer that I pray on a near daily basis. That I think it's Psalm 51, creating me a new heart. It's like, God, keep me humble enough for my heart to be adjusted. Keep me yeah. trusting enough so I don't build up guards and protections of my heart. Because I know, ultimately, I must have God adjust my heart. I am not smart enough, wise enough, or good enough to do it on my own. I, my trust for my heart to be going down the right path is in God and God yeah. alone. Yeah. And the heart process is not cerebral. So you're in luck, exactly. mister. It yeah. has nothing to do with your brain or your smarts. <laughs> Maybe I'm in luck. <laughs> you're the one that's going to struggle. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm a, just kidding. I'm sure it's a backhanded yeah, compliment. That, I, did. <laughs> I didn't mean to do I just, you know what I meant. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. It's just a backhanded compliment. It's like, good job. Here's a slap. Anywho. <laughs> Anywho, so so the whole point though is to steward our hearts correctly, and yeah. we, when God breathed the breath of life into us, our hearts came alive, our consciousness came alive, our our true being came alive. The animals didn't get that, the birds didn't get that, the plant life didn't get that. We're the only ones who have the breath of life, and that gives us access through Christ Jesus to the throne room of God, where we're, that was what we were designed to do, to come there and learn how to manage our hearts, learn how to steward our hearts, guard it, protect it, build it, you know? And so I guess my encouragement as we start to wind this one down would be consider the things that you're looking to adjust in your life and 
Are there places you need to go and plant new seeds in the heart? Are there weeds that you need to go into the heart and pluck up? I was thinking just assessing the heart for areas of hurt and resistance. Where mm-hmm. where in our life are we living in a position of always being hurt or offended or unsure or scared or maybe a little protective or defensive? Yeah. Those are the areas that we need to let God touch, really. Right. Just take take to the Lord and realize that it's not a correct heart position. That's not our, our original design and intent. Right. So am I going to God where I'm saying, prove, prove to me that you'll make this right, you know, where I'm yeah. still being protective of the heart? Or am I going to God like those children in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, where it's, we just yeah. trust. No we fear just of know harm. Yeah. No fear of... No fear of harm, rejection, correction. There's no fear, even yeah. if it were to happen. Yeah. There's know, no fear there. It seems like a really basic revelation, but I remember a point in my life, there's a verse in um, Hebrews where it says, it's talking about faith, and it says, faith, I forget exactly how it goes, but they know that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And that's, that's the people who believe. That's the way it works. And I remember the reality of that point. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. That means they know he wants to do good things. And that was like a revelation to me. Yeah, I believe God exists. Yeah, I believe he's he does all these good things. I believe in the Gospels. But it was a revelation that I, I didn't need to be convinced that God wants to do good things. And if a lot of people still need that convincing. And that's ultimately a lack of, or maybe not a lack of faith, but it's, it's an inaccurate faith. We have to trust that God does want to do good things in us. He does care for us, care about us. It's a shift. It is just a shift of the heart and mind Mm -hmm. of getting away from fear and being okay with being corrected and knowing God corrects those he loves. And in that, there is no fear. And there is just faith. Right. Knowing that God is good. Bingo. All right. Well, that's it for this uh, podcast devotional this week. We may or may not be back next week with another one, but there will be more articles posted at the site, jbstreep.com. Be sure and go there, subscribe. If you enjoy what you're, what you're reading, what you're listening to, please consider sharing it on your social media. And outside of that, I think we're good to go, Mrs. Shreve. Yep. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Okay. Thanks for checking us out at jbstreep.com. If you like what you've heard today, please be sure to subscribe to the blog at jbshreve.com. Leave a review wherever you download your podcast from, and why not share this with your friends? Until next time.